Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lift it up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. Well, if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes. The Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes and Ecclesiastes chapter number 3. Ecclesiastes in chapter number 3. As we're examining the book of Ecclesiastes, we understand that the author is King Solomon. King Solomon has been the king for 40 years. However, in his last 15 years of his life, he turned away from God and decided that he wanted to live his life without regarding God, without having God as part of his daily thought process, as part of his system. He stopped being faithful to God's house. And so after these years, he's an older man. Remember, he was the wisest man who ever lived. And he's taking an honest look at himself and an honest look at the life that he has. And he's come to this conclusion that vanity, vanity, all is vanity. And it carries the idea, the word vanity means empty. And the other phrase that is used is under the sun, which is a poetical way of expressing without regard to God. That living a life without regard to God is empty, empty. Now, this is a wonderful book because we would rather people read this book and come to this conclusion by reading this book than them wasting their life, them coming to the end of the life and realizing it's better to learn from someone else's mistakes than go through those heartbreaks yourself. And once again, as we come to the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter number three, we're watching Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, giving an honest look about life. And we come to the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter three. And if you don't mind, notice with me, starting at verse one. Ecclesiastes in chapter three and verse one, the Bible says this, to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up that which is planted, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to break down, a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to get and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to cast away, a time to rend and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time of war and a time of peace. What profit hath he that worketh in that wherein he laboreth? I have seen the great travail which God hath given to the sons of men to be exercised in it. He hath made everything beautiful in his time. Also he hath set the world in their heart so that no man can find out the work that God maketh from the beginning to the end. And with this, as you see over and over this poetical term, a time, a time, Notice, if you don't mind, in verse number one, where it says, to everything there is a season. To 
everything there is a season. And with this, we'll hit a lesson from the book of Ecclesiastes speaking about the seasons of life. The seasons of life. In all of life on earth, there are seasons. There are a season for this and a season for that. In these verses, we find 14 different contrasts. These contrasts move from one extreme to another because there's no one emotion to sum up life. We have life, and during this week, if you think about this week, you didn't have just one emotion all this week. It wasn't just one emotion where I... There are times you're tired. There are times you're excited, times that you're awake. There are times that you're joyful. There are times that you're sad. There are times that you're disappointed. That all of life cannot be summed up in one emotion. All of life cannot be summed up with one season. There are different seasons within our life. And we have to understand that each of these seasons have a purpose. Each of these seasons have a point. The longer we live, the more that we have to deal with things in life that cannot be explained. It is beyond our ability to comprehend all that comes up <laughs> or to those that we love. We labor alongside people who are suffering. We look at people who are hurting. We even look at deaths and we try to find out why. That all of life as we look at things that happen, we soon realize that we are overwhelmed and that we don't have the answers. We come to the conclusion that we definitely need God for all of our seasons. Amen. Just as soon as you think that you got to a place in life where you said, I got this, you'll get hit with a different season where you're saying, I, I can't handle this. I don't have this. All of life, we need God and we need the Lord. Like Solomon, there are things that we deal with that are difficult. Solomon said that life is just like a season. His argument is that everything apart from God is vanity. All life is vanity. As he plunged into life, he found all that is vanity. He's looking at his life and he's looking at the seasons. He's at a season where he's growing older and he's getting ready to pass. And he's, I missed it. I missed something up here. It's all empty. What is the purpose? And he's realizing, I just need God. I need Lord. So if you don't mind, let's kind of go through this passage here and go with Solomon with these observations about the seasons of life. The first thing we want to bring to your attention is the inability of the king. The inability of the king. As we've explained about Solomon a couple different times, is that humanly speaking, he was powerful. He was a king of a nation for 40 years. Not only was he king of the nation, but he extended the influence in the borders of Israel to the biggest extent that they have ever been. Not only that, he was brilliant. He, was he had such a mind that he was still, even to this day, considered the wisest man who ever lived. That people would come thousands of miles just to hear his wisdom. People would come from other countries. Other monarchs would come to hear from him. Not only was he a monarch with great influence, not only was he known for his mind and his seasons and his studying. Remember, he just didn't study plants. He became a botanist. He just didn't study animals. He became a zoologist. He became intimate in all the knowledge he possibly could. 
But not only that, he was a master builder. That even today, one, at least one of Solomon's buildings that he built was considered a wonder of the ancient world. There were seven wonders of the ancient world and the temple that Solomon would build was considered one of them. He was a master architect, a master builder. He built so many things that were beautiful and gorgeous. He had accomplished so much in his life. Here was someone, humanly speaking, was untouchable in his ability, in his influence, in his wisdom, in his knowledge, in his ambition, in his goals, in his building. He did so much. And yet... Solomon at the end of his life, out of all those things, says, it's vanity. It's empty. It's empty. Why? Because it's all a waste outside of God. As much as I could accomplish, as much as I could get done, if God's not part of the equation, then, then it all falls apart. Solomon, who's looking at his life, is realizing these abilities that he has, he is unable to do anything to change it. He is unable. For example, Solomon as powerful as he was, Solomon as mighty as he was, if he had someone that was close to him that was sick, there was nothing he could do. It is beyond his ability. Solomon as powerful as he was, as smart as he was, as influential as he was, when someone close to him died, there was a helplessness and an inability. There was nothing he can do about it. And one of the things that Solomon was learning is that no matter what stage he's in, he's always going to come to the place where he cannot do anything. In every season of life, God is sending us a message that we need him. Just look at a couple different things in here. Verse 2, there's a time to be born. You know, there's very little things we can do. Some of you ladies, as we're honoring Mother's Day today, might remember the day where your child was born and there was a helplessness that you had. Yep. <laughs> You're plugged in, you've got the epidural, you've got, I mean, you got the doctor waiting to catch and th there's very little control that you have. They give you the instructions to push and that's about all you can do. If the baby's breached, if there's anything wrong, there's a helplessness you know, there's that, that always that pause that as soon as the kid comes out that everyone quiets down and listens for that first cry. And while that waiting for that moment, there's a helplessness, an inability. There's nothing you can do at that time. We need God. When it comes not only birth, when it comes time to die, there's a helplessness when someone's on their deathbed and they're getting ready to pass and you could give them as much comfort, you could be there, you could hold their hand, you could say Bible verses, but you can't do anything else in that time. There's nothing you can do. It's beyond your control. A time to be born, a time to, to die, a time to plant. You know, when farmers plant the plant, they, they can put it in the ground. When you have your garden, you can put it in the ground, but beyond that, you have very little to do with it. That's beyond your control. It's time to uh, pluck up that which is planted. When it comes to harvest time, you got what you got. <laughs> There's nothing you could do to make it increase. It's, it's there. There's a helplessness. And it goes on and explains all of this. And all of it has this idea that there are seasons in our life. But with each of these seasons has something beyond our ability. 
as great as you may think that you are in your mind, as wonderful as you may think you are in your mind, as smart as you may think that you are, we have an inability in our different seasons of life. I remember, if you could forgive a personal illustration, that when my son came home from the hospital, he was <laughs> looked like a healthy baby boy. We got him home just a day after. And all of a sudden, he started to have grand mal seizures. Just life-threatening seizures where he wasn't getting enough oxygen in his, in his body. He would turn gray and ashen. Uh, and there's a helplessness when they're just seizing. When, when a child's seizing, there's nothing you can do. I don't have medicines. I don't have anything to do. I just have to watch him. And then the <laughs> worst thing is after he'd have those grand mal seizures is that he would be unresponsive for a while. There was his biggest seizure lasted 30 minutes. By that time, he is looking blue and pale. They, by this time, the doctors have given us an oxygen tank. And so we're trying to hold an oxygen tank to his face as he's seizing and just trying to hold it on and just watching him. And then afterwards, he was unresponsive for two hours. You could put his hand up and put it back down. You could open his eyes. No one's home. There's a helplessness, an inability there. And you get to the beyond yourself and say, I can't do anything else. And the only conclusion you come to is, I need Jesus. I need God to do something. You know, each of those seasons in our life bring us to the place where we say, I can't do it. By the way, that's not a bad thing. So many people draw the conclusion that I get to the place that I can't handle it and they draw the wrong conclusion. If I can't handle it, then just, and they, they go make horrible decisions at that yeah. time. But when you get to the place that looks at it and said, I can't handle this, but he can, God, I need you right now. There's a strength in your weakness for when you are weak, he is strong. And that's what... The purpose is being taught here. Whereas Solomon's looking with helplessness and an inability, we have something better. We have God that we could run up to and say, I need him. I need him. By the way, when you're in your good seasons, that's the time to develop the habit of depending upon him. So that way, when you get to the place where you can't handle it, you've already know how to get a hold of him, how to get a, spend time with him. Dealing with the difficult circumstances of life brings us to realize our own inability. It's in these feelings of inability that we seek out and see that even if things are out of our control, God is always in control and we can trust him. Not only the inability of the king, but we also see the inevitableness of death. The inevitableness of death. Notice with me in verse 2 again. A time to be born... And a time to die. We understand that if the Lord Jesus Christ does not come back soon. That we are all going to face death. There's a time to die for each and every one of us. There is a meaning to have. There is a saying that says that you're not ready to live until you're ready to face death. Well we're thankful that as believers we can know how to face death. You say, how can I know? Well, first of all, we realize that heaven is a perfect place, but none of us are perfect people. <laughs> We've all sinned to come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. 
that because of our sin that we've offended a holy righteous God and that because of that we all deserve to go to an awful place called hell. That's not good news but it is reality. That's what we deserve. But the good news is, is that God didn't want any of us to die. He's not willing that any should perish, but also come to repentance. So what God did is he robed himself in flesh and came on this earth and dwelt on this earth as the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus lived the same life that you and I lived, went through the same temptations, the same troubles, the same heartbreaks. Then he died on the cross to pay for your sins and to pay for mine. Then on the third day, he rose again. And when he rose again, it proved two things. It proved that Jesus was indeed God. And it proved that God was satisfied with the payment that was made. And that all is left is that for us to accept that free gift of salvation to forgiveness of sins. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The Bible speaks about that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Saved from what? Saved from the penalty we owed God. That God gave us this way out. That we can know for sure where I go when I die. And when I know for sure, when I have it settled, not because I feel like I'm going to heaven, not because someone said I'm going to heaven, but because of God's word and God's promises making it a reality. When I know what's going to happen to me in death, I now can face life. Amen. I now can face life with a hope. I can now face life knowing that if something was to happen to me, I know where I'm going. Now I can serve God, not trying to get something from him, but I can serve God because of what he's already done for me. I'm not pastoring a church. I'm not teaching a lesson because I'm trying to get God's favor. I'm doing it because I'm thankful for what God has already done for me. I have a different motive that I'm doing out of love. I'm doing it because I want to, not because I have to. It changes everything. There is a reality that there is a difference between people who go to heaven and how they die and people who unfortunately go to hell when they die. I've been a medic for many years. I've also worked as a police chaplain for many years. And I've seen death's door many, many times. I've sat with people at the hospital bed holding their hand and praying for them and saying Bible verses and singing to them and watch how they go to eternity and seeing that even if they're hurting, there's still a peacefulness and a joy that they know where they're going. That's wonderful. And I've been by the people who have passed away not knowing Christ as their Savior and watching the fear, watching as they're scared, watching as the reality of it starts to overwhelm them. There is a difference between someone who's going to heaven and going to hell even in the way they died. The famed Queen Elizabeth I, the virgin queen of England who ruled for such a long time, had such a fear of death that as she was in the process of dying, she refused to sleep because she was so afraid of what would happen if she didn't wake up. So much so that she had them prop uh, mattresses and pillows against a wall and she would lay against the wall so she could s support her weakened body, but she could, didn't want to go to sleep. And as she was struggling not to sleep, struggling not to give in, she was heard to say, half of my kingdom for one more day. Think about that. She was at the place, I don't want to die. 
I don't want to face what's over there. I'm doing everything I can. And because of that, it did change the way that she lived. You understand, we need to know for sure what's going to happen to me. That's one of the first steps of making the life that we live now count. Is if we know that our eternity is settled and that I don't have to work for it. I don't have to earn it. It is a free gift that's given to me. Now I get to serve God out of a thankful heart. I have a burden that's lifted and now I can make the most of my time. I'm thankful that God has given us this free gift. Solomon realized that he came into this world like everyone else. And when he died, he was going out of this world like everyone else. You didn't bring anything with you and you can't take anything with you. The only thing that can get changed is knowing where you're going for sure. And I'm so thankful that God has given us his promises and God cannot lie. So we start off with the inability of the king that he realizes that He's not enough. He realizes that the, each of the seasons is beyond his ability. He also realizes the inevitableness of death, that death is coming and that it needs to be secured. It needs to be taken care of. And then there's one more thing, the inquiry to eternity. Inquiry to eternity. Notice if you don't mind in verse number 14. Verse number 14 is just squished between some great truths. We know that in verse one, it says there's a season for everything. But notice with me, if you don't mind, in verse number 14, which we'll put a great emphasis on next week. But it says, <laughs> um, sorry, in verse 11 is where I was going. Um, he that hath made everything beautiful in his time. He also he hath set the world in their hearts so that no man could find out the work that God hath made from the beginning to the end. I'm so thankful that God made everything beautiful in his time. What does this mean? It means that there is a purpose for everything that God does. Every season of life that you go through, there's a purpose for it. You said, but you had a son that had life-threatening seizures. What was the purpose of that? Was there a purpose in that? Now we understand there are some things that we will not know the purpose of until the other side of glory. We have to trust it. But let me tell you for me and my wife, we were closer to the Lord during that time with Zeb than any other time in our life. Why? Because we had to be fully dependent upon him. We had to trust him like no other time. And God was more real to us. The first um, <laughs> uh, year in a half of his life, nine months of it was spent in the hospital. And yet God was still so real in the hospital. There was a joy that we had. There was a peace. Now remember, joy is not a happiness. We weren't watching our son going through grandpa seizures with a stupid grin in our face. Oh, this is wonderful. But there was a peace that even though this horrible time, and yeah, there was a bit of sadness, we understood that God knew what he was doing. God didn't make mistakes. God had a purpose for it. And it was one of those times that made God so real in my wife and I's life. And he used that time to bring us to the next step and the next step and the next step because we were able to trust him. For every season of life, there is a purpose. God doesn't do anything by accident. He knows what he's doing. Now think about someone who doesn't acknowledge God, doesn't have God a part of their thoughts. They go through these tragedies and they have no explanation. When I go to an accident scene, a death scene, the most common question that they go and they see the chaplain, 
Why? 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 Why was this girl in this car accident? Why did this child have parents that did this to them? Why did this person decide to make this decision? Why? And we know that using human intellect and trying to explain human actions, the, the question why doesn't get answered. But when we're able to trust God, we know that there is a purpose for that season. There was a thing to do. There's a principle found in the Bible called the treasures of darkness. And that principle says that the worst things that happen to us can turn to be the greatest things that happen to us if it draws us closer to the Lord Jesus Christ. We know that left to our own devices, if we were able to make choices in our life of what we would go through, we would never have a hard time. None of us would ever say, hey, you know what? I, I feel like I need some back problems today. You know what? I, I really miss sneezing all the time. So you know what? I'm going to sign up for allergy season. It just, you know, that, that, that's my goal. None of us would sign up. We would say, let's have an easy life, happy days, work goes well, car never breaks down, clothes never fall apart, money's never an issue. We would sign up for that. But we would never have a need to trust God ever. We would never trust God. Because it's during those times of trouble. It's the times of stirring up. It's the time of our inability. The time when we're at the end of ourselves, where we have to trust God. And when we learn to trust God and God comes through, we trust him more. We know that God has a purpose for everything that's done. That's the advantage that we have when we're able to look at God and say, I don't know what's going on and I may not know why, but I know who. And I know that you have got a purpose and there's a purpose for this. He hath made everything beautiful in his time. Each of these has a season and each of those seasons has a purpose. And God knows what he's doing for that purpose. We can trust him. I'm so thankful that in every area of your life, no matter how difficult it is, we can trust him. Nothing's beyond God's ability. Plenty of things beyond our ability. But nothing beyond his ability. He has made all things beautiful in his time. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 530-6308. Once again, that number is 920-530-6308. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.